Welcome to Two Inches Off the Ground. When you are enlightened, you live your life two inches off the ground. This is season two, episode 40, The Spiritual Habit of Hope. I've noticed that I have some new listeners, which is awesome. Welcome. Thank you for being here. If you can help me out, that would be awesome. I am at 25 reviews on Apple Podcasts, and I am so grateful for all of them. But my goal is 30 reviews. So please, if you like this podcast, please rate and review five stars only wherever you listen, and especially on Apple Podcasts. Remember to click on the plus sign at the top of your screen because that means you're following this podcast and it really helps with the algorithm. Thank you so much. I was fortunate enough to attend my second workshop this year at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, and the topic was spiritual habits. This struck me because your girl is still struggling with sugar. (laughs) I'm not as bad. I'm definitely better than when I talked about it in my first podcast with Michelle, Two Enlightened Bitches. I'm definitely much better than that, but this is my one major life obstacle and why? Because it causes inflammation in the body and it's not good for the autoimmune disease I have. It's one thing if you are a normally healthy person and you indulge on sugar every once in a while, you know, you go to that wedding, you have a couple pieces of cake, you let's say just go out and have a day where you have a lot of ice cream, For a normal person, that's perfectly acceptable. For me, it's not. So I really have to rein it in, unfortunately. (laughs) So I decided to attend this workshop in particular because I've tried getting rid of sugar in every which way. You name it, I've done it. I've done all of it. I've done belief coding, uh, hypnotism, hypnotherapy, I've tried counting grams of sugar. I have tried substituting maple syrup and agave. I hate agave actually, but um, substituting those for sugar. I've tried just eating organic cane sugar. Uh, You get the point. I've done it all and I still am not at a place where I want to be. So I figured why not attend this workshop? Let's keep trying. (laughs) I want to be careful not to give away someone else's program or work because first of all, that's not fair. Second of all, that's essentially stealing. Instead, I want to focus on a few points that resonated with me during the workshop. Anyone who is trying to form better habits, it's tough. We all know this. And it's especially tough with food in our society. I have been friends and I am friends with the healthiest eaters on the planet and they still indulge in ice cream. They still indulge in dark chocolate. They still will eat. I'm just trying to think of a good example. They'll still eat, you know, something with processed oil at a restaurant as a treat. Obviously they're entitled to, so that's fine. But again, when you have an autoimmune disease like I have, and the big part of it is I'm trying to heal without pharmaceuticals. That's the big part. I can't do that. I can't have 
these constant, uh, you know, moments of indulging and moments of going overboard, it all adds up for my body. Some good news from last week is the results of my colonoscopy are that I have healed my colon by 80% in 13 months and my inflammation markers have decreased by 90%. I'm definitely working hard and I'm on the right track, but of course there's still that 20% I'd like to heal. And again, I'm doing this without pharmaceuticals. If you are listening and you have Crohn's and ulcerative colitis or any form of IBD or autoimmune and you are using pharmaceuticals, that's great for you. Um, I say that all the time in the UC podcast, whatever works for you works for you. This is what I'm doing in the present moment. Who knows, maybe a year from now, I will be on pharmaceuticals. So I embrace both Eastern and Western medicine, and I want to be clear about that. So will I ever be fully healed? I don't know, but I can try. The workshop was divided into two major components on day two. It was a three-day workshop, and those components were gratitude and hope. Being so close to Thanksgiving, you would think this episode would be about gratitude, but although I loved everything they said about gratitude, I feel like I'm pretty good in that way. I always compliment people, even people I don't know. If I see you in the grocery store and I really like your skirt, I'll come up to you and tell you. I have a language or vocabulary of gratitude, at least I think I do, and when I take daily walks, I'm in gratitude of nature and so on. Of course, can I do better? Always. And I do have all the material on gratitude from the workshop, so if that starts resonating with me at some other point down the line, then I can definitely start you know, doing these exercises. The second half of the day of the workshop focused on hope. I was a bit leery only because I gravitate more towards faith, especially with the law of attraction. When I think of hope versus faith, I really focus on faith because faith has that definite belief versus hope, right? So I was very curious about how they were going to break down hope. They began by talking about spiritual hope, and many in the group could not grasp this concept, which I found fascinating. Spiritual hope is second nature to me. I believe it's second nature to all of you, to all of us metaphysical people. The idea is to embrace hope as mysterious and open-ended and to embrace the unknown. That is what we do on the daily as metaphysical people. Most of the group gravitated more toward the psychological, more tangible aspects of hope. Saying all this, the idea is to maintain hope in our daily lives so that we can learn to form better habits. The reasoning is if you don't have hope, why do it? You fall off the wagon, you have hope to get back on. Why am I on this journey of eliminating sugar if I don't have hope? But even after I've fallen off the wagon, I have hope. It's the same with podcasting, right? It's the same with any, I would say, smaller podcaster is you have to have 
hope in that way. I listened to this podcast, which has nothing to do with the metaphysical. The woman has been podcasting for seven years. She now has one of the most listened to podcasts on the planet. My guess is she probably has over a billion downloads. That's just a guess. In seven years, I think that's probably pretty accurate. She is at the top of her category. She is, you know, not that it's all about money, but she's making money hand over fist. Trust me, she talks about her, um, (laughs) how she rented a yacht for a month and, (laughs) and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, the point is she had this episode where it surprised me. She talked about how a year into podcasting, she wanted to give it up. She said, I just felt like no one was listening. I wasn't getting the downloads. I thought, you know, I would be getting. And by the way, she came in with a definite audience, unlike me. And she just said that she had pretty much turned to despair. And then she found hope and she went all in. And now she has one of the biggest podcasts on the planet. So, you know, you have to glom on, I think, when you're a creative person to stories like that, because that, uh, during my hiatus, you guys know I took a six-week hiatus, that I heard that story. Of course, the universe wanted me to hear that story. And I glommed on to it because I'm saying, okay, just keep going, just keep doing it, right? Same with my writing journey. I have been very honest with you guys about my writing journey. The first book that came out, uh, my first book that came out, 11 years ago, I thought it was going to do much better than it did. I went into despair for years. It affected everything. It affected my work, my personal life, uh, my relationship at the time, because I was in such despair. And somehow I regrouped, reframed, and found hope again. And now I am back on a completely different Uh, I would say, path of this writing journey. And I'm doing it in a completely different way. So I had to find hope in order to do that. To align with hope, you have to form better habits. The one principle that I love so much and I thought about it over and over is make it so small you can't say no. Make it so small you can't say no. I have been clinging on to this concept ever since I heard it. Little, teeny, tiny adjustments, not changes. Because you say the word change and it's like, oh, to some people. So let's not use the word change. And I think that's what trips me up. I realized this past weekend that I've been pursuing this goal of eliminating sugar for 20 years. (laughs) 20 years. And I connect that with my terrible eating habits when I lived in Boston. So I lived in Boston when I was around 24, 25. I lived there for four years. I was not a student. And that is where I really pinpoint the start of my autoimmune disease because I remember having stomach issues. I did not realize they were flares. Now I do. And because of that experience in Boston, I'm, I, I really connect that at that point in time, I kept trying to eliminate sugar and I kept failing and failing and continue to fail. (laughs) 
I mean, over a lifetime, I've probably failed, I can't even tell you, 60,000 times, right? So I'm pursuing this goal, but to what end? To have this huge goal hanging over my head, the light went on and I said, no, no, no. We're not, we're not going to torture ourselves anymore because really it is uh, self-torture. The other principle they discussed is if your goal is significantly blocked, there must be a new goal. Hello, 20 years. It's pretty fucking blocked. <laughs> so I think it's time for a new goal. With these two principles, I had another epiphany and that is that sometimes it's not that deep. I equate sugar with the childhood abuse I endured and needing unconditional love during that time, or it's equated with emotional eating. And I went out and I bought a notebook and I did all the exercises. And then I've talked to a therapist about this. I've talked to a belief coding coach. I've talked to a trauma healer about this and and so on. And by the way, I believe this was part of my path. I should have. I do not want to discount therapy or getting professional help in any way. And if that's part of your journey, you absolutely should do it. But sometimes it's just because I like the taste of sugar. That's it. Or it's easy to grab a piece of bread because I can't grab crackers. I don't have crackers in my cabinet because if you look at any crackers, they are made with canola oil. And the ones that aren't, because people always like to talk about the rice crackers that aren't, well, rice has a ton of sugar in it. So now I'm just putting even more sugar in my body. So that defeats the purpose. Or I've eliminated so much from my diet that this is my one form of food joy. You guys don't even know how much I have eliminated from my diet. I mean, you can hear it on the UC podcast. I'd be here for four hours. You don't need to hear it to heal myself without pharmaceuticals. I truly think 99.9% of Americans could not do it. And it's not because I'm so strong or whatever. It's not anything like that. I'm just saying, just you tell Americans that they can't drink coffee ever I'm not saying once in a while. I'm not saying, hey, I'm on vacay. Let me get a cappuccino. Never. You can't drink alcohol ever. Again, I'm not saying, hey, I went to that wedding and you know, I'm going to have a glass of beer. Can't do it. So to tell people that you have to take that out of their lives, just the alcohol, okay, and just the coffee alone on top of all the other shit I don't eat, <laughs> I think most people would grab the pharmaceuticals. You know, I think most people would go for the pharmaceuticals. And by the way, rightfully so. I had someone on my UC podcast who explained and very well was a young man and explained that he had a total colectomy. He had his colon replaced with something called a J pouch. And he said, listen, I'm young. I love happy hours. I love socialization. I'm a huge extrovert. I love to hang out with people and I'm constantly on the go. This is what I had to do for myself. And it makes sense, right? It makes total sense. So anyway, the sugar is part of my food joy. <laughs> you know, It really is. So having this new information, how do I maintain hope and 
while tackling this issue. Here's what I've decided to do. I am giving myself space to have as much sugar as I want, but within reason. So I can't just sit here and down an entire ice cream birthday cake, although that would be, oh, that would be so good. That would be so good, but you know, this is the life I have and this is the colon that was given to me, so <laughs> can't do these things. But within reason, have as much sugar as I want. And by the way, when I say the word sugar, I'm including carbs as well, because I know most people are thinking that I am downing, you know, chocolate and cupcakes and not really. It's more about, I count sugar as a slice of bread, um, a simple Mills muffin, pasta, fruit, milk, yogurt, chocolate, beans, whatever breaks down into sugar. And, and unfortunately, when you really research, everything breaks down into sugar except for meat that I know of. I mean, even my healthy vegetables break down into sugar. So as humans, we're screwed. But anyway, so per day, I have allowed myself eight opportunities for sugar. And the reason I don't want to say servings is because that's dangerous. So a serving of dark chocolate may be one gram of sugar versus a Simple Mills muffin, which has eight grams of sugar. But I'm not going by grams. I'm not going by servings because that's just, I've done it before. It always fails. I don't want to go down that road again. So I like using the word opportunities. And I understand it's semantics, but it's what works for me psychologically. It's what works for me subconsciously. My new goal is to have seven opportunities for sugar per day for the next two weeks. That is my tangible, very small goal. And then I will reevaluate after two weeks. I'll see how I'm doing. I'm going to tell you my progress after weeks or months because two days, it's like, yeah, of course you're on the ball after two days. So we will see. But let's say after two weeks, I've been doing really well with those seven opportunities of sugar. I'll reassess and I'll say, you know what? I want to keep it at seven for another two weeks. Maybe I move down to six. Maybe I can handle six. Or it's hard for me. I was going to say maybe, you know, six one day and then on the weekend, seven. I'm not good like that. I'm not good with the cheat days and coming back. I've tried doing that. It doesn't work for me. And that's it. Make it so small you can't say no. And to me, this idea of opportunities makes it so small that I can't say no. I'd like to mention the Workshop Leaders for Spiritual Habits because they have a phenomenal podcast with over 10 million downloads. God, kudos to them. That's amazing. Check out Eric Zimmer and Ginny Gay on their podcast, The One You Feed. They have incredible guests such as Sharon Salzberg, Marianne Williamson, Wim Hof. They get really big guests, so definitely check that out. The next episode of this podcast will drop on Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022. It's already recorded. I am excited to have my friend and brave guest Renee Fleury come on and discuss marriage to a spiritual being. What is it like to be in a relationship with a spiritual being? I've known a few metaphysical people who have these relationships, and I know some of you who listen to this podcast have them too. They may not be romantic, but they may just be platonic. 
And Renee reveals all about the physical aspect of the relationship and what does a spiritual being get out of a relationship with a human? This episode will blow your mind in a good way. And if you're in a relationship with a spirit being, know that you're not alone. Again, this episode, Spirit Marriage with Renee Fleury, drops on Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022. Until next time, live your life two inches off the ground.